Good morning, everybody. My name is Natalie. I am on the staff team here at um, HGC, and it's a joy to be with you. Uh, a hot, hot, hot morning, but it's a joy to be with you. I hope you're all feeling um, well this morning. So we're on week five of this sermon series. We've gone through different heroes of the faith. And today we're exploring how faith in Jesus works and what it means for us today through the person of Jacob. But before I talk about Jacob, let me tell you about someone else, someone called Thomas Carlyle. I had not heard of this man until a few weeks ago. And this is one of his famous quotes that says, the history of the world is but the biography of great men. Well, that led to Thomas being one of the founders, one of the trustees of none other than the National Portrait Gallery. When I found this out, I was like, ha, huh, there's a sermon on Faith National Portrait Gallery coming up soon. And I was like, this is a very useful piece of information. Carlyle wanted to see the faces of those people throughout history who had made a mark on the world, who had left their legacy. He advocated that history was shaped and made by great individuals, shaped by the stories of people that have gone before us. Well, here's a painting of Jacob coming up on the screen, the hero of faith in our story today. And the scripture in Hebrews shows us that he is a man who reached the end of his life with great faith. He blessed his future generations and he worshipped God. And this painting actually details a series of events, including Jacob meeting Pharaoh and Jacob blessing his grandsons. It's quite hard to see on the screen, but you can um, Google it later or I can tell you a link to it and you can find out a little bit more about it. But if we look back through Genesis, before we get to this latter part of Jacob's life, we see a boy and then a man who hurts people, who lies, who deceives, and takes what does not belong to him. If anyone has been around while I've been preparing for this preach, you'll know that I have struggled with Jacob. I have said on numerous occasions, I just don't really like him. Why is he here? Why is he in Hebrews? Why is he written about in Genesis? But then I look at myself and I think, who am I? How am I different to Jacob? I sin, I mess up, I lie, I take what um, does not belong to me. But we see throughout this story, God's thoughts are not Jacob's thoughts. God's thoughts are not my thoughts. He chooses to use Jacob to work again and again. Jacob's life is a story of God constantly at work, bringing him to a place of renewal and transformation, to be used for God's kingdom work and to be written in the book of Hebrews hundreds, thousands of years later. So just like Jacob, our lives are orientated the same way. And if we let God work, then he is faithful and will renew us too. So as we explore Jacob's life today, let us just pray that God will do the same for us. Lord, transform us. Set your Holy Spirit within us now to speak to us. And God, we pray and ask you to take away any seeds of pride that fester 
where we think we are better than Jacob. Jesus, help us to learn how to live our lives for you, influenced by your actions, Lord. Amen. So, Genesis, you you might have Hebrews open right now, but if you want to flick back to Genesis 25, and then basically hold it there all the way to Genesis 50. Jacob's life is all throughout Genesis. So there's a lot written in Scripture, but we cannot cover it all today. You want to, I'm sure, leave church at some point and feel cool again. (laughs) We are going to imagine we've got a box set, though, of Jacob's life. We're going to look at two episodes I haven't really included Jacob's childhood um, in this talk, so go away after and read all about it. It is fascinating, and I promise you will grow to love Jacob, as I have done in these past few weeks. So very quickly, Jacob's name, it means he grabs. It means he's a grabber. He takes what is not his. Jacob is proactive, but in a sneaky, deceitful way. He was already born into a very dysfunctional family, but he makes decisions which are just not good. So there is not really much close to Jacob relying on God in his early life. He is not looking towards God, but just looking and focusing on himself. But this first episode that I want us to think about is the one where Jacob is weak, but God gives him an identity. By the time we get to this part in Jacob's life, he is a married man with many children, but it hadn't been plain sailing. He had spent years in a foreign land where he had himself been conned by his father-in-law. And then God called him to return to the land of his father, his father Isaac that we heard about last week. And he went, and we pick up this story in Genesis 32 where he was anxious about the prospect of meeting his brother again. Honestly, read Genesis. If, you don't, if you're not familiar with this story, I, I really hope I, I explain it well. But if um, you're feeling like, who are you talking about? What is going on? Please, um, I promise, if you read the story, it will make lots of sense. Jacob, in all his anxiety, he encounters God in this time of his life in none other than a wrestling match. Let me read Genesis 32, 24 to 31. Jacob was alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Who else is Jacob being asked to to bless by? Surely he knew it was God. God chooses to bless him. And the reason God gives is because you struggled with God and with man and have overcome. Up until this point, God has been constantly with him. But Jacob has not known that. God has been with him and has not left him. Jacob had forgotten that presence of God that awesomeness of God. He felt so weak. But God knew that he had struggled. He knew Jacob found life difficult, that he had messed up countless times. But God knew that he had overcome. 
Well, overcome the struggle of realizing that he needs God. This moment in time. Jacob was surrendering himself to God. And it's in this surrender, he was asking for God's mercy and God's grace. And in this wrestle, this struggle, God doesn't just bless him. He gives him a new name, a new identity. And he says, Israel, you will be called Israel. And this name wasn't just for Jacob. It was for descendants after him again and again and again. It would be the place that God's people would dwell. The name that they would come to be known as, the Israelites. It was a sign of the future. In his weakness, God was giving Jacob and his future descendants an identity and a promise of what was to come. So after this wrestling came an incredible declaration from Jacob. Jacob called the place Peniel and said, because I have seen God face to face. He had seen God's face. He had been in his presence, finally. He was like, I get this. I get what faith is. I have seen my God face to face. He knew God's power, his authority. He knew that God was in charge and he was not. He had to let God rule. Jacob said, I have seen God's face. Wow. Our second episode for today is the one following this where God restores Jacob. And Jacob blesses and he worships. This episode takes place in Genesis 46 to 48. So flip flip a few pages. And Jacob is in Egypt. And by the time we get to this point, he has lived quite a wild life of running away and coming back to Canaan and doing other things that will no doubt startle us as we read the scripture. And then in his old age, he's really old now, he's leaving Canaan, his home, to go to Egypt because Joseph, Joseph, his favorite son, is there. He thought he was dead, but he is alive. So he runs, well, maybe he doesn't run because he's quite old. He goes to Egypt. And he'd found Joseph with more descendants too. That promise, you'll be called Israel and will have many descendants. And so as Jacob's life draws to a close, Joseph promises to show his father kindness and faithfulness and to bury him with his ancestors Jacob says, do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. This episode and Jacob's life ends with blessing his grandsons, blessing those descendants. Jacob was proactive in his blessing. Our second episode, Jacob was proactive. He blessed them because in faith, he was certain of what God had promised future generations. Remember his name, his new name, Israel? It was for all. Jacob's blessing was in anticipation of the future. He no longer looked back on his old life of deceit, of ruin, of sin. He was anticipating a future. 
and future generations to go home, to no longer be in Israel, and to no longer be in Egypt, but to go home to Israel. God's plan was for them all. Blessing is about flourishing of life. And then Jacob, secondly, at the end of his life, he worships. He worships. He praises God. He gave God the praise. God gave him so much. Every year, year after year after year, God gave him so much. And worship is the one thing that God asks us to do in honor of him. And Jacob now can't help but worship God. He's changed his life. He's transformed him. He can't help but worship. He had seen God face to face, remember. He knew God was real. He knew God was for him. Hebrews tells us um, that one verse from today, that he leaned on the top of his staff. I love that image. He leaned on the top of his staff. And his limp, I guess, from the wrestling, right, was still there. He was old, obviously, too. But I think there was something about the wrestling had, had stayed with him, that, that surrendering to God. Was, God. God did amazing things, but it was still that kind of reminder that I am God and you are not Jacob. God reminded Jacob of how much he needed God. Well, I recently um, got the opportunity to go to the funeral of a wonderful lady called Vasu, uh, who came to HTC for um, a good few years. Um, a lady called Joy uh, brought her. Um, Vasu was 96 when she died, and she lived an incredible life. Just like Jacob, at the end of her life, she was worshipping her Lord. She was here just at church a few weeks before she died. And she may not have been leaning on a staff, but she was certainly leaning on Jesus because she knew how much she needed him. And then at her funeral, I got to glimpse um, the impact that she had on many future generations that would come after her. Now, these generations weren't her blood relatives at all, but they were her community that had supported her um, towards the end of her life. But she had blessed them because God had blessed her. Her life represented God's blessing. Vasu sought God's face and worshipped him and blessed others because she knew that she was blessed. So to sum all this up, there are two themes which run through these episodes. The first is blessing. In episode one, Jacob wrestles with God and demands blessing from him. In episode two, Jacob reflects on these blessings of his own life, of what God has done, how God has saved him. And he pours out that blessing onto his grandsons. And this second theme is encounter with God. Encounter with God. In that first episode, he physically wrestles with God, encounters him in physical strength. And in the second episode, he leans on his staff and worships. He encounters God. Jacob teaches us that we are called for our whole lives to live in a place of dependency on God through our messiness, through our brokenness, through our frailty, 
for our weakness. And yet to marvel at what God does through us, to marvel at God's faithfulness and to anticipate what he longs to do through us, each of us, for, our, for us and for our future descendants, future generations. Well, thinking back to that man I mentioned at the beginning who founded the National Portrait Gallery, Carlisle, his pioneering idea was great, as we can all go and visit the National Portrait Gallery when it's open. People should see the faces of those who had influenced history. Jacob saw God's face, mesmerized and in awe. But in our faith today, we don't have to go to the National Portrait Gallery to see the faces of those who have influenced us. We can read about them in our scripture. We can learn about lives of faith right here together. Jacob saw God's face to face. And there is really only one face that we need to see. One face that changed history forever. And his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus trusted in God's blessing. He entered that messiness for us. Even for Jacob. He became sin for us. He broke through that power of darkness for you and for me. So our relationship with God would be one of blessing and flourishing. It would no longer just be for that family of descendants of Abraham, but for the whole world, Jew, Gentile, slave, and free. Jesus' blessing is for us. Through Jesus, we have access to our Heavenly Father. So we don't need to offer sacrifices in certain places, but through the Holy Spirit, who is here right now and comes to live in each one of us, And as we celebrate communion together shortly, this is also a sign of God's grace for us. Jesus said, do this so you will know me. Do this so you will have life in me and know what I have done for you. Do this so you will not forget me. It is Jesus' face that we need to seek today. And through building our lives on him, that firm foundation in that song, putting him first, trusting him with every situation. He is the gift from God that enables our flourishing of life. And we have that future promise too, don't we? That heavenly perspective that we're called to hold on to. Our faith in God through Jesus means that we are sure that one day we will fully, fully see God face to face. The heavenly home that our faith is leading us to. We will get to be with God in a complete and full way. We live in this now and not yet kingdom. We say we can see Jesus, we can encounter the Holy Spirit, but we're not, we're not there yet. We're not in a full picture of what God longs for us, but we will. We will see him face to face if we put our faith in Jesus. So as we step out of church and into the rest of our lives this week, here's the challenge for us all. How can we be people who seek God's face? Jacob was amazed when he saw God's face. Yet we are so often too busy to seek him for ourselves. Work, holidays, relationships, social media. There is so much that gets in the way, that builds that barrier to having those amazing moments of seeking God. So I wonder if you long for that. I do, more and more. Jesus longs for us to know him more, to grow in our faith He has given us himself. He's saying here, 
here I am. And God longs to spend time with us. And like I said at the beginning, I don't, I don't deserve it, but I have it given by grace. And so secondly, the challenge of let's be people who lean on our staffs and worship. Maybe you're someone here today who is just like finding it so hard to worship and questioning why, why should I bother worshiping? The thought of worship feels hard. But please hear that God is a God who longs for you to see his face. So as we enter communion and um, as we offer prayer ministry after, after, please come and receive prayer. And know that God longs to see, um, longs to see you face to face. God's presence is for you.